0: Right before Christmas 2019, when I was struggling big time with income and employment context, I had this interview to be an apartment complex manager about two to three miles from my house. I'd never done that, so I didn't hold out much hope. And the interview was a standard generic BS with no real questions of relevance or to prove the competency for the job. Whole thing lasted maybe 20 minutes. As I was exiting... The couch outside the uh, interview office was all beautiful young women. So I instantly thought to myself, well, I'm probably never going to get this job. It was maybe noon at the time. I decided probably unwisely to go to this bar near my apartment and have a sandwich and a couple beers. While there, I had a phone conversation with Fritz. He's a QA and automated tester in the St. Louis area. We met on social platforms initially. I think LinkedIn might have been first. I have a lot of problems with social and connectivity for sure. There are a lot of flaws to social media, but meeting people like Fritz has been positive. So eventually we did this podcast conversation and talked about cancer, risk, faith, raising daughters, and working for yourself. Actually, the whole conversation starts by talking about how people don't pay you on time. Let's get going. And by the way, if you just heard my dog in the background, he is here panting. All right. Here we go.
1: It'd be even better when people start paying us like, money or whatever. But yeah, that I mean, helps. Like, step in the right direction. Yeah. It's like, hey, you got you to gotta grease the skids for us. Come on, guys but yeah i so, was
0: uh i was talking to a guy that i know who's like early 60s and he's like bar restaurant industry but then on the side he's like helping people put in fences so like blue collar service type work right mm-hmm. and uh he told me he had some guy in this area that he used to do a bunch of fences for, like, contractually. And the guy used to pay, like, within 48 hours, right? And then Mm -hmm. his business got bigger, and so he, like, wanted to standardize accounting stuff more. And now it takes, like, two to four weeks, right? So he's like, oh, man, like, I used to rely on this for, like, quick infusions or whatever and now it's like the same shit as everybody else right yeah and like i would say most people are usually good within a month um i had one lady in seattle like two years ago who was like the simplest like one thousand dollar type assignment thing it took her like seven months to pay it And I was like, Jesus Christ, man, Man. (laughs) like like this, this over half a year at that point, you know?
1: Yeah, well, it is ridiculous. And I had a client one time, fortunately, um, I had gotten there through a, uh, through a recruitment firm. And I found out later on that the terms for that company were net 240, eight months. Oh my
0: God. That's it's
1: like insane, if, man. It is insane. It like if I had, if if I would not pay an electric bill for eight months. Oh, God. Like, I would not have lights, right? Right, I mean, no, was, not at was, all. Turn it off, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know why. It's like, all oh, right, it takes a while. It's like, guys, we're doing the work. You gotta yeah. pay. And it's like, yeah. it, it amazed me. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, nearly a year after the end of that contract, and it's long gone, but it's like, sometimes I wonder, I'm like, are they still paying money out for the work that I did, like, before? (laughs) Like, wow. yeah, Uh
0: That's ridiculous, man. I I met a dude through LinkedIn who was like, he does accounting for a chain of senior citizen homes, living centers in uh, Florida and, like, Georgia and Alabama. Mm -hmm. And they have a bunch of vendors, and they, like, bring in stuff for, like, you know, I don't know, projects, and, like, fixing HVAC or whatever, and he's, like, he told me his boss wanted to move them to, like, net 200, and he was, like, dude, these guys that do HVAC, like, they're living, like, within three paychecks, if that. Yeah. right? So, yeah. I think we gotta do better than 200 days for some of these contractors, you know?
1: Man. Yeah. Like- 200 minutes would be better. I mean, that's yeah, just, just...
0: 200 minutes would be freaking great. And then uh-huh. I had this, this is the last one I'll say about this payment shit because we could talk about this for an hour. <laughs> but um, I had a lady in Croatia that I was doing some work with, and like uh, my 2017 taxes, I still owe like money on them. I'm just on like a monthly plan, but it's almost over and i realized my monthly payment from the irs was going to hit and it was going to leave me low and i had done all this work for this lady it's like fucking 3000 us or something <laughs> and i was like hey can you just like expedite this invoice or maybe give me like a third of it or whatever and she's like nope under no circumstances <laughs> and i was well, like just like just pay me like a third of it and then pay the two thirds on like net one eighty if you want. Like I just want a thousand dollars sitting there for when this IRS thing clears, you know? And she was like, Nope, under no circumstances. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, that's I guess that's I guess that's where we're at. <laughs> so oh. Yeah. Um okay. So the first thing I was gonna ask you just in general was, um, Some of what we were emailing about, and I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to put you on the spot. You don't have to have some amazing answer to this question. But being later 30s now, even going back to like mid 20s, late 20s, what are some of the biggest things that you feel like have either changed about your life or like kind of how you perceive things or realizations that maybe you've had in the last like 10 15 years that when you were younger you would have never thought of but it's kind of like more aware for you now just mm-hmm. like any big buckets of that nature
1: nice I've got I've got a couple things about that yeah I could definitely talk about that
0: go for it
1: oh like right now yeah oh cool like yeah. so all that all this stuff it's gonna be in there okay awesome um you know, I was thinking about this on the way, on the way here. And I realized, you know, one of the biggest things that happened in my life in my early thirties was I was diagnosed with cancer. And, um, you know, when that, when that happens, I mean, it's almost like that's something that happens to everybody else, but not me, you know, I'm young and, uh, it was, it was just, it was, it was a huge, it was a huge blow, you know? And it's like, yeah, it was, I mean, it was kind of a, an easy kind of cancer to get. I mean, it's got a very, very high uh, success rate. I didn't have to have any radiation or chemo or anything like that. They just did surgery and it was gone. But for a long time, I really, really struggled. And I was in a really dark place because it's like, you can't get away from that. You can't, Like, leave it, like, put it in a box and walk away. Like, it's it's on you. You can't turn anywhere and get away from it. And I was just scared, and I was angry, and I was, like, I was just on my face in prayer all the time. Like, it's just, I was upset. I was despairing. And after a while, I realized, I'm like, you know what? My focus has been wrong. If anything, this has given me a wake-up call. Like, I wasn't focusing on the right things. I wasn't focusing on my family as much as I should have been and instead dumping all of my energy into work and not in building a legacy and this was like hello this is a wake up call um and it uh it it really it changed me it just changed me you know you you go through life and every once in a while you'll have a realization like I've had the wool pulled over my eyes and it's happened multiple times since then for a lot of different things, but when you get hit with something like that, it really gives you some good perspective. It gives you it gives you some really good perspective.
0: Yeah, it's um, interesting too because the pastor at the church I go to
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, he grew up in Texas, where I'm yeah. at now, yeah. and then he was doing like wholesale liquor sales in Chicago, like late. Mm-hmm probably late twenties and he got cancer too. And it was like, again, not, you know, you know, you said this and I think it's interesting that people even feel like they have to say it, like just the word cancer has a connotation for people. Right. So it's like, yeah, there are cancers with much higher success rates. And then there are some that are like almost still death sentences. Right. But the overall concept is still like, I think people know what it is. Right. So I think his was similar in the sense of, like, it had a higher success rate, and it was, like, relatively early. But that actually, like, moved him towards, like, faith work. And it was kind of like – he'll preach about that a lot, where it's the same thing. It just, like, reframes you in terms of thinking about your – like, what success is or what uh, legacy is or what accomplishments are. Because I do think, like, we get – you know, for better or worse, and there are pros to this too. But like, we get trained that like work is supposed to be like important, and like mm-hmm. a source of virtue and all that. And like, yep. I just don't think that's a reality for a lot of people anymore. I think there are lots of people in the world that enjoy what they do and enjoy some of the people they get to do it with. But I don't think broadly, that's where meaning and, like, purpose and stuff is supposed to derive from, right? Yeah. So sometimes it takes those, like, you hope that it doesn't take, like, a bigger medical moment or, like, life-shifting tragic event or whatever to get to that realization. But, like, sometimes people, um, like, reset or level set around, like, different triggers or catalysts, obviously. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think looking back, that was a big one of mine. And, and going back to the other part of the question is like, what are some things that you've learned? I mean, that's, that's a big one, but I also learned that in life, you can take a lot of risk and you'll be fine. You know, I was kind of living life as if, Oh, I can't take risk. I can't step out. I can't do stuff. Right. Um, the job that I had back when I was diagnosed, it was pretty stressful. And first I was not managing the stress. Well, I was letting it get to me and I was overworking, but by the same token, when I knew it was time for me to go, like I had to go, I had to get out of there. Just, it was time. um, I went for a pretty, a pretty interesting opportunity, but it was a contracting thing, you know, and kind of, Coming out of a full-time, excellent benefits, like 100% coverage, you can run with scissors, your kids can run with scissors, kind of coverage, and they'll pay everything. And to go out and be like, well, uh, now I'm getting paid hourly, and I don't have benefits. I got to be on Cobra for a little bit. That was scary. But when I did it, I realized, wow, I'm capable of a whole lot. I was able to hit the ground running and just do some amazing stuff, and I'm like – that wasn't nearly as scary as what everybody makes it out to be. Like everybody's like, Oh my goodness. Contracting is so scary. It's like, Oh, I can fire you anytime. And it's like, yeah. dude, I mean, dude, you and I know anybody can get fired anytime. anytime. I mean, it, it, it is a you, thing that happens. Yes.
0: I've heard like, I've heard a couple like VC type people in the last three to five years say like, obviously there are a lot of pros and cons to so, like contractor gig work, whatever. But like, yeah. um, It actually, in some ways, can be, and look, the down periods are shitty, but in some ways, it can be more stable than full-time W2 work, just because, like, first, to your point, and I felt the same way about myself, I had never done, like, contract, like, uh, bouncing between different stuff work until I was probably, like, 34, right? And I... uh. I had no conception of whether I could do it. And I've had, like, some really good months, some really bad months, good years, bad years since then. But it's like, what it teaches you about yourself is almost invaluable, right? So I think it's like, a W-2 is not any more or less secure than a 1099 contract gig, whatever, because a W-2, it's like, okay, the company now has two bad months, two bad quarters. Like you're gonna be sacrificable in that context, right? So mm-hmm. the the idea of stability is kind of like a myth, which I think is where your risk thing comes in is like we can tolerate a lot of risk and actually be successful in the face of it. Like I don't think you should go cliff diving every weekend or whatever. But I think <laughs> yeah. that I think that we have a higher tolerance for risk that we probably give ourselves credit for right
1: we do you're absolutely right and it's i just said to somebody the other day yesterday so humans are tough critters um yeah you know we can subject ourselves i mean you know if you're talking about physical strain and stuff like that you can work your body like a dog and it's going to respond yeah. but that's equally true about mental and spiritual you know yep. and you know when you go through life and and you you're under a lot of stress, and you're under a lot of like oh my goodness worry. I mean, it's fiery, it's hot, it sucks, but man, you come out the other side blinging. But yeah. uh, but I tell you what, man, it used to drive my mom absolutely nuts. Because first off, she she wasn't she still isn't quite clear what I do for work. he <laughs> like, yeah. does computer stuff, and and um and she's like, that's all I know, son. I don't know what you do. What do you do anyway? If you met her, she talks just like that. What do you do, son?
0: <laughs>
1: and uh I and she told me one time because I I, I it seems like I kept jumping from job to job because I was a consultant now, I was a contractor. And she's like, son, just find a job. Just sit just get a job. And I'm like and I thought about it for a second and I thought, Mom, I don't think I can. Right. I don't think I can. I don't think I don't think I want that stability. I used to, right. But anymore i realize i'm like stability will kill you yeah really will if you well, if you're if, if you're not stepping out and you're making you're not making waves if you're not like testing yourself if you're just like i'm just gonna do the bare minimum i've mastered this i mean you it's dangerous dude
0: yeah and the only way like the the quote-unquote like myth of stability if you will is that like the only way to retain like a full-time stability is basically to become a drone because like once you have original thought or you want to like test something different in like two out of 10 situations that can work. If you have bosses that are like, Oh, I trust this guy. I think he's like onto something that maybe could be valuable for all of us, blah, blah, blah. But like in seven or eight out of 10 situations, someone's going to be like, they just want someone that's going to do, stay in your lane, do your role. So, like, if you want to maintain stability, you kind of have to, like, give up a degree of, like, innovative thinking, entrepreneurial thing. Well, you know, however you want to define it. And that right. was always, like, a problem for me is, like, okay, you lose stability, but you get a lot more flexibility, and you can kind of, like – uh, drive some ideas of your own or, like, spend downtime the way that you want to instead of being beholden to some buddy else at, like, 10 p.m. or whatever. And that part's good. It's a trade-off, for sure. Um, but I, I don't, like... I think it would be, like... I agree with you. I think it would be really hard for me to even go back into, a like, a completely um, full-time thing. And my... My parents are the same way where, like, my mom stopped working when I was born, so she doesn't have a lot of context, period, for that stuff. But then my dad is, like, uh, my dad had, like, W-2 type jobs for, like, 50 years, right? So yeah. it's like he doesn't have, you know, and he probably, he was at, I was born in 80. He mm-hmm. was at a place like... I want to say 74 to like 92. So that's like 18 years, which is like almost unheard of in modernity, right? I mean-
1: Yeah, no no joke.
0: Yeah, I've met people that do it, but like 18 years is like absurd for like modern existence or whatever. So, you know, I just think it's like, it's hard for that, those generations to look at like people like us bouncing between like client work or whatever and be like, Hey, just go get a job. It's like, well, a, it's not that easy. That's a, and then B is like, I don't really even want to do it necessarily. You know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like you get a taste of freedom and and scary and dangerous as it is. It's like going back to that. It's like golden handcuffs. And, and my dad was the same way. It sounds like you and I, I mean, I know we're the same age about, and so I was born in 81 and, uh, you know, my dad for the longest time, I mean, he was working at a place where he was like the only guy doing his job and he mm-hmm. was good at it. And he did it for years, big financial corporation. And then um there was a company that bought them out and he lost his job. And it's like, what the heck? And never would have thought that was coming. But dude, he was out of work for like five years. I mean, yep. he exhausted his four oh one K, he exhausted savings and you know, all kinds of money, money, money. And it's like, you know, eventually he got another job. He took a job at a call center or something like that. He did try stepping out and doing, um, you know, getting his business going. He had a really awesome business, uh, called Visographics, And he would doctor up photos. Like people would come to bring him old photos, like 120 year old photographs. And it'd be like this, can you restore this? And he would do it. And he would find details in there. He's freaking amazing at his job um but you know it just it kind of i mean there there's just a stark contrast between that generation and us guys yep. like for me you know, and I think yeah, it probably looks on the outside like ah these flakes they can't they don't know how to hold down a job it's like well actually we we do know how to hold down a job it's just that we know it's very volatile, but we're also very aware of what we do and how we help. We know what we're good at. You're awesome at copywriting and email marketing. And then I'm awesome at QA and automation and stuff like that. Right. It's like we know what we're about. We know what problems we solve. We don't want to just plug into someplace and be a warm body, a bud in the seat as it were. It you know, it's just it's different. And it's amazing too because you would think there'd be a couple generations in between that and this. But it's like, no, boom, done. And all of a sudden, it's just – you know, what's the next generation going to be like? Like I got four girls in the house. I'm recording this out of the back of my truck. I don't know. Can you see me? I'm on (laughs) camera. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. And uh, the acoustics in here are amazing. Like you can't hardly hear anything. But um, we got four girls in there. It's like what's the workforce going to look like in – you know, fifteen years is this and nobody a- really
0: nobody people? has like an actual answer is the thing. We have a yeah. lot of like theories and articles, and like honestly, even like virtue signaling about it. But we don't have like actual like hardcore answers about like, oh man, this is what it'll look like. and the you know to touch on even like what you do, <clears throat> I've always thought this is like this isn't exactly what you do, but like there's almost two. Um, there's two A words that are at play is that increasingly like people that run organizations want more automation and more automated process because it's like more consistent. People can be messy, blah, blah, blah. Now, <clears throat> whether or not that means like net job growth or job loss, I don't think we know a hundred percent, but it's probably not leaning in a positive direction. And then, people like individuals want like some degree of autonomy and like the ability to earn enough to pay their bills so you got these two words that start with a that are at like an intersection where it's like is automation gonna get there first or is like are we gonna have like a french revolution style thing where like we can overthrow the titans of industry and like get like more equitable stuff back for our children's generation, you know? And it's right. not that dramatic, but that's like almost where the intersection is, you know?
1: hmm
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's like, I think that's the thing that a lot of people bury their head in the sand about, you know?
1: Right. Um, yeah. So it's coming. It's coming.
0: <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, okay. So then one other theme, um, uh, You know, we touched on it a little bit in the last couple minutes, but just talk to me about, obviously, the freedom is one thing for sure. What are some of, like, the pros and cons or the challenges that you've encountered by kind of trying to do your own thing? You know, I'm probably going to cut, I'll cut out the stuff when we were talking about billing at the beginning, but we did talk about billing at the beginning, and that's a hassle for a lot of people that try to do their own thing, but what are some of the what are some of the, uh, you know, the pros and cons or lessons of like you trying to go your own way with certain stuff that you've encountered or felt?
1: Wow, man, I wish you'd asked this at the beginning because <laughs> I, I could, t- this is something I could talk an hour on. So this yeah. is something that I'm actively struggling with, like right now. If you ask me, what's the most sucky thing about what you're doing? I mean, it's this, this. Right, wait, I mean, not not the podcast, this, but right. uh, just the current state of things today. So, um, I think you know the pros. Obviously, yes, a lot of liberty, and you have the freedom to do anything you want. Okay, the con to that is, uh, oddly enough, you have the freedom to do anything you want. Right? There's a bajillion things that you could do tons of actions you could take every single day, every hour of every day Mm -hmm. and trying to pick the right one is like, what should I do today? Um, So it's, it's real easy, you know, continuing with the cons, you can easily fall into analysis paralysis. Um, Myself in particular, I tell people I'm like, I've had a, I've had a pretty interesting career leading up to today. You know, I I've had a career in software testing, which, you know, you spend years, probably a decade of my life, my career, cultivating a brain that thinks about all of the what-if scenarios. What if this happens? What if that happens? Right. And as a tester, that's your job, right? you got to think of those because there might be a bug in there. Try it out. Let's see. Test. We don't know. Um, running a business, it's almost like that part of my brain. I'm glad it's there, but sometimes it shoots me in the foot because the times that I can think back and say – you know, instead of thinking so dang hard, I should have just executed. It was because my tester brain was like, "Hey, have you thought about this? What about that? You got to worry, worry, <laughs> worry, 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 right?" And it's like, just quit worrying and start freaking executing. Just do the yep. thing. Um, and I've had to, I've had to unlearn a lot of stuff. I've had to relearn a lot of stuff, and it's been an amazing journey. But holy crap, is it hard? like reprogram your brain. I'm almost yep. 40. I'm not supposed to be able to do this kind of stuff, but I'm no, like, not at me. all,
0: man. I think it's like 25 that we're supposed to hit, like plasticity.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, Sorry, your brain's not elastic anymore.
0: Yeah. Come back yeah. to
1: consideration. Try again. So yeah. It's like, but, you know, I found that um, just having the right mindset, realizing, you know, kind of going back to, Yeah, you can take a lot of risk. You can try a lot of stuff and be successful. You can get out of your comfort zone. You can surround yourself with the right kind of people. You can find people to spend your time on, invest your time, pay it forward, um, mentor them while being a mentee, and great things will happen. And over all of this, I've realized that I've gotten a lot stronger faith in God I think yep. we've talked about this before. So I'm a Christian and that's something I'm like, I'll let my flag fly. I don't care. But yep. I mean, the way I work is inextricably tied to my faith. And it's like when I'm going through a really stressful time as I'm building a business, I'm like, I am constantly leaning on God and he's always there. And it's just been nuts, dude. Like they're just, I don't know. It. I mean, if if people listen to this podcast and they're thinking, Wow, should I start a business? I mean, if you think you want to, I would encourage you to do it. I would also tell you not like as a cautionary thing, but it may be one of the hardest things that you ever do in your life. And and I say this as a father of four girls and a husband. Uh uh sometimes running a business is harder than even that. Yep. Sometimes it's harder because Like There have been times when I just ugly cry about I'm not going to make payroll. I'm not going to be able to pay my people and things work out, but it's just hard, man. But it is so rewarding because you're, you're building something that is bigger than you. You are impacting people's lives. Like if you're, you know, if you're trying to build something, if you want to be a solopreneur, that's, that's good. If you want to build like a, you know, like a scalable thing that you can walk away from for a month and come back and it's not on fire. It's like, you can make that and you can impact a lot of people. You can impact people on a huge scale. So it's definitely worth it hard as it is. It's going to toughen you up, but it's definitely worth it.
0: Okay. So I don't, I won't rabbit hole. I won't rabbit hole this for, uh, that deep, but, um, you know, you meet guys and I go to church with some guys and I'm in like men's group with some guys that are also like hardcore business guys. But in general, I feel like there is a not a disconnect, but like you don't see overlap in like guys that are like, interested in, like business and developing new things and like expanding their brain and the faith side. Like I've only met a few guys where it's strong. Both things are strong in them. So, like, do you see that? Or, like, do you see there being any dichotomy there? Or is it, like, it's just, like, something that you're passionate about and you, like, have to rely on it in the harder moments? Like, do you ever think, like, well, faith is so, like, almost ephemeral and like business is supposed to be so like hardcore like kpi data driven that they don't compute or in your (laughs) mind does it like does it make total sense you know
1: you know in my mind and and i'll i'll say this like going back to what you said about it's hard to find people in business that are also of faith right it to me it's like you know combining any two things like it's hard to find business people who also crochet you know i mean it's just it's it's two different things right you know it could just easily have been something else um so i don't see it too often but i see enough combinations that i'm like i don't think i'm an outlier you know because i know there are guys out there that do this i i got a good friend of mine here in st louis he runs a consultancy and uh he's a, a recruiter consultant and he he is a strong brother and i'm like man anytime i need to i can go to that guy I mean, I could just go to his office and be like, hopefully he's there, and be like, oh, "Dude, man, I need you to pray for me." And his employees will be like, "Who's this guy?" You know, <laughs> "Oh, it's Fritz. He's cool. Let him in. Um, get him some coffee, and then give him a seat." But um, yeah, I mean, I I I look at my faith and I look at this business, and I'm like, they they don't really compete with each other. Like, it's not ephemeral. It's not, you know. Like there aren't metrics and things, but I find that it does help when I'm building the business. Like like I said before, I can take risk. And some people will be like, well, I don't have the metrics in front of me. I don't have all the data in front of me to make this decision. And sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to step out and do it because, hey, I trust that God's watching and he wants what's best for me. And I know he wouldn't want me to just fall on my face, but... If it does happen, there's going to be a learning experience based out of this. So it's really win-win. You know, you either win or you learn. There's not really a failure. So we and there <laughs> there have been some crazy things that I've tried that I'm like, I never thought I would get to where I am. But just stepping out, you know, it's kind of like that movie, you know, uh, the Indiana Jones one where uh, Sean Connery was in there, his dad. Yeah. Like, never, OK. And you know that part where he had to, like, step out in faith. And he's like, whoa. And, and there was like a walkway there that you couldn't see because it looked like the rock that was around it. And you, like the camera would tilt a little bit so you can see it. And then it would go back. So you realize, yeah, oh, he's actually walking on a bridge. You just can't see it. Sometimes it's like that. And I'm like, I just got to step out. And yeah. Yeah. So sometimes I feel like it's like a cheat code. You know, like I've got an edge over other business owners that don't have faith. And I'm like, ha ha. Huh. i've got a g-code yeah
0: yeah um okay so then the other uh just kind of like topic bucket i wanted to hit too and i'll let you go in a second is uh just about uh like the kid's angle to it the kid's element to it because i've talked to a couple people about this since i've been recording some of these is like you know we have this Kind of like almost generic uh, boilerplate answer where people are like, "Oh, kids are everything. They changed my life." I wouldn't doubt that that's true by any means. Um, but what what's kind of obviously you have more than probably an average American does at present. I think we're down to like two point two or something. So you're almost double that. <laughs> so what? Uh, so what's your like? I mean you you're a, you're like enough of a realistic like right left brain guy where I feel like you can also admit that like a lot of it is real challenging you know it's not, not all like puppies and roses and everything so what kind of like what what's your like 35,000 foot takeaway on like children in terms of like meaningful experience but challenging but like what has it kind of like taught you about yourself or taught you about your relationship in the process?
1: Well, I've learned uh, the hard way that they are going to 10 X magnify your shortcomings because you might do something and then, then they're doing it all the time. And it's why are you doing that? Well, I learned it from watching you and it's like, Oh crap. Uh, So, okay. I guess I got to stop doing that thing. Um, But you know, it really sharpens you. And, and, every day and i forget this so often is like yeah they're kids but they're they're eternal souls they are they're gonna be around forever you know Whether you know you believe in like the afterlife or anything like that um they're always going to be around their soul is going to be somewhere and god's given them charge we've he's given us charge over them and it's like what an immense responsibility what a blessing that have a part in these kids' lives and to say we could be building into them, uh, helping them grow in the direction that they look like they're going already and not just be like, hey, we want carbon copy, cookie cutter kids, uh, standardized, not free thinkers, whatever. We don't want drones, um, but we want them to grow in the direction that they've already kind of gone. Like, so we got two of them, the two oldest ones, They've got kind of an entrepreneurial mindset and gee whiz, I don't know where they get that from. (laughs) Um, And then the younger two. So our six year old, she wants to be a hairstylist and then our three year old, I don't know what the heck she wants to be. She changes like every other day. I think she wants to be a veterinarian or a baby doctor or something. I don't know. She'll figure it out. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we just, we find opportunities to be like, all right, well they all learn different. They all, they have different tendencies. Let's, capitalize on this let's put them in the way of situations that help them grow in that direction and that helps combat this idea of ah these kids they're in the way oh my goodness they're in the way of me doing what I want to do with my life and it's like no what I want to do with my life I want to build into them and I got to remember that I got to remember that all the time because the world will steal your focus away from what is really important and it's more important than the business. It's more important than anything else, you know? So I guess that that last part sounds kind of boilerplate, but it's true. I mean, they are important, but they should be treated as such as well.